This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of November 29th. I'm John Gibson, and with me bright and early on a Sunday morning is a person I know who's definitely okay, and that's Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? Okay. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, it's not even 8 o'clock in the morning. My body does not recognize this as normal time. But you're a winner. Your team won the Japan Series. Be a fan. I, you know, I'll let you guys in I on know. this. I, I spent Saturday trying to convince Jim that his Swallows had a chance to win. They were, It's game six. They're on the field. That's why they have a chance to win. So try to let little, little fan Jim come out for a little while and play and enjoy the moment. And in his messages back to me, Jim was like, ah, I can't do that. Ah, he just he wasn't having any of it. He's not going to let his emotions take over. And I, I totally understand. I totally understand. I'm not, I'm not like the fan I used to be. <laughs> no one, no one is. <laughs> that's, that's perhaps true, but no, it, it was not so much that is uh, the, the weird thing is Japan series is now over and I am really sad to see it go. Yeah, this was the most fun I've had in it, and and it wasn't like um, this is the most fun I've had in a Japan series in years, probably since 2017 when we had that that really fun uh, SoftBank DNA Japan series. Right, right, yeah, and that's without covering. Well, that's without actually going to the ballparks, right? So, right. so you really must have enjoyed it. But yeah. Sure, I totally understand. I think it was 2007 when you and I were covering mm-hmm. the Dragons against the uh, uh, Nippon Ham Fighters and Game 5, and I had to put Fan John aside, and mm-hmm. which I thought I did a good job of doing, and you just focus on, focus on the job because that's, you know, that's what we do. But of course, you know, the other times when I actually wasn't at the stadium, I was pacing, I was walking up and, you know, back and forth around the room, yelling at the TV, doing everything that fans do, because that's, that's, you know, I let little fan John out. So I'm glad the team that you root for uh, ends up winning the Japan series in six games. That's awesome. On this week's show, we've got uh, back by popular demand. We've got a chat with Tyler Higgins of the Oryx Buffaloes. And then we're going to talk about the Japan Series games three through six and handle some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. Okay. Well, on Tuesday morning, Tyler Higgins, a uh, setup guy for the Oryx Buffaloes, uh, joined us for a brief chat. And he was, uh, he was not bubbly like I'm used to hearing from Tyler Higgins. I, I think it was a little, little, I want to go home. The season, isn't the season over yet? Kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of vibe, but you know, he, Tyler gave it his best shot and he was uh, genial as always and thoughtful as always. And so uh, let's have a listen. Hey Tyler, great to have you back on the podcast, first of all. And uh, everyone was really, really excited about your last interview. We got a lot of great feedback. That's good. That's great. Yeah. So, tell me, uh, you're in a, you're in where I guess where you wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we made it all the way here. We're uh, one of the 
have the last two teams standing. So that's kind of, I mean, that's impressive in itself. If you think about where both of these two teams stood last year at this time. Right. Well, let me ask, I'm, I'm going to ask you first, at the end of last season, did you have any inkling that this team could be as good as it as it has played? Or I should say, did you have any inkling this team could play as well as it's played? Well, uh, last year when we switched, when we had the managerial change, right? Uh, right after that, there was a spurt of like, I want to say it was just under a month where we played really good baseball. Mm-hmm. And right, it was like right away when the new manager came in, when that team came in. And that kind of just showed that we had a lot of talent mm-hmm. on the team. And there was the ability to play really good baseball there. It was just some things needed to kind of mesh together and and, and come together and work out, you know, at the same time. Um, and I think that even this year, uh, we've had some injuries throughout the season that were kind of detrimental to the team, mm-hmm. you know. And we, we still, I mean, we're still playing, you know, still could you know, we're still we still won the league. Like we're still in the Japan series, so um, it just kind of goes to show. Like I think the team is a little deeper than a lot of people have given it credit for, and I think that some some people on this team have stepped up and filled holes from injuries that just nobody expected. And um, yeah, I, I I think that this team's a lot better than what a lot of people gave it credit for for the last couple of years, at least. But definitely the last two years that I've been around. Right, and then you, I mean, this year you lost to Yamaoka for most of the season, and he's been he's been up and down, but a few years ago he was one of the Buffalo's best, most reliable pitchers. And he's back, although he hasn't pitched yet, and I guess the big one was Masataka Yoshida coming back uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, I think that um, him coming back is definitely a huge help, and I mean, uh, if you watch the games, I mean, it's crazy how much time he missed mm-hmm. uh, with that wrist injury. And he's, I mean, he came back and it was almost like he was, he never, he didn't miss a beat. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, he's, he's hitting balls, you know, unluckily, luckily for him, you know, straight at people, uh, and he, but he's hitting the ball hard. He's not missing, and he, you know, he looks just like himself. So uh, that's kind of impressive in itself to know that he missed, you know, I forget what six weeks or whatever, where he, you know, he didn't see any live pitching or anything, and then they, he gets thrown into the fire and is still super. I mean, he had a walk off the other day. He, you know, I mean, it's he's that's more impressive to me is how much time he missed, and then he came right back and as you know, was ready to go. You know, just at the drop of a needle. Yeah, he he's pretty amazing. What the things he can do with a bat. The uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about clinching the uh, clinching the pennant at home. <laughs> you guys were at home in uniform in an empty stadium. That was like surreal to watch. <laughs> How was that to experience? It was interesting. I mean, <clears throat> it's not necessarily uh, you know it's not it's it's kind of unique because you know it, it never really happens per se like that. Um, you know, we were waiting around for, for the other teams to finish their games. We had already finished ours, so it was pretty unique uh, how it all worked out. And then, uh, you know, we had planned to kind of do that situation for three games in a row because Chiba had three games left to play. All right. And if they, and, you know, if they lost any of the three games, then we were with the winners. 
Right. So for it to happen, you know, on the first night, you know, that was lucky. And uh, we we enjoyed it, and it was fun. Uh, you know, we, we got to celebrate a little bit. You know, it's, it's a little different than being able to celebrate, you know, after you win a game, you know, it's right. a little different. Um, but in, a, in an empty stadium, and, and, you know, we had the media there, and we, we did our interviews, and, uh, you know, we had a couple of ceremonial celebrations, and it was pretty good. Oh, um, it was definitely unique, and uh, it was, you know, definitely something that, you know, you, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into it, so it was it was okay. Okay, well, I, it did look okay. Uh, I don't, I just don't, you know, we haven't been through this before, so I, it was, as you said, unique. Now, you're in a different situation. You guys went through the playoffs, and, and quite a, the second game was quite a challenge. The first game was, you know, all just an amazing uh, playoff series with the Marines. They were very tough. That must have been quite a, um, Sitting in the bullpen in that in that first game must have been quite uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's difficult. To, uh, I mean, from my point of view, it's it's hard uh, with the way that uh, the setup is here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we finished the season October twenty first. We had the one makeup game on October twenty fifth, and we didn't you know we didn't touch a field again until the tenth mm-hmm. uh, of November. So. Wow. It doesn't. It's not really conducive to you know fluidity of playing the game. And then you know we swept in four games, or well three games, mm-hmm. and you know then we didn't touch a field again until uh, the twentieth. So it's 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 difficult to to keep you know keep everything together at this point. I mean we're you know it's it's almost Thanksgiving and we're still playing our season. Um, so I mean it, that that series was definitely difficult, and it was it was. It was nerve-wracking because you just, you know, it's been, at that point it had been, you know, Yoshinobu pitched nine innings on the 25th against uh, Rakuten. Mm-hmm. So the last time any of us had touched a mound was like October 20th or 21st. And so if you think about that, that's that's 20 days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 20 days between the last time that you were in a game situation. I mean, you can throw in practice games all you want. It's not the same thing. So, I mean, it was nerve-wracking during that series because, you know, it was the first. I mean, it was the first time you going out there in twenty days. Right. So it's uh, it's you know it's a little difficult you know to to figure that out. Um, you know, and it was it was rocky. I mean, it, it was for me. Um, uh, things are it's difficult to to just jump back into it. Like at least for me. I mean, some people had some pretty good success doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, I think maybe they might be a little more used to it or adapted. Um, but for me, it's the first time that I've had to go through. Uh, you know, so many different pauses in the season uh we had a month or five week pause for the olympics and then a two and a half week pause for uh the or actually a three week pause almost for uh the first round of playoffs to start and then we had another almost a week pause before this series started so uh, it's just a unique situation and uh i'm trying to figure you know wrap my head around it and and try and do the best that i can with what i'm you know, able to do okay well let me ask uh I get two questions left then. One is, uh, how, you know, what did you try? Did you try anything different? I mean, obviously you've been through these pauses. This is not the first pause you've had this year. You had the Olympic pause and you had the, you know, you had the quarantine pause. And did those prepare you for this at all? Um, sort of. It's just a little different uh, because we're so deep, you know, into the season. This is essentially year two of, you know, we started it. 
January of 2020 and mm-hmm. never really stopped playing. I mean, we weren't playing games per se. We never really stopped playing baseball until you know, November 7th. Mm-hmm. And then we were back here, you know, January 15th. I was back here doing baseball again. So it's just, it's this far into it. It's just hard to, to know what you're supposed to do. Uh, you know, rest is so valuable mm-hmm. um, at this point in the season. Um, but at the same time, you know, rest, you know, creates a little rust. So it's it's just like a, a kind of a teeter-totter. you got to figure out, you know, try and figure out what's best for you as a person, uh, as an athlete. I haven't done anything really different, uh, per se. I have kind of lightened, uh, the, you know, what I'm, what the, the stress I'm putting on my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to just relax a little bit more and, um, take a little bit more time off my feet. Uh, cause I mean, like I said, it's November 22nd. You know, most people are at home for eight weeks by now, mm-hmm. uh, from their season. So, um, okay. Just a, a unique situation. Yeah, obviously. I need you. Have, I guess you have to do a lot of self monitoring. You know, how how do I feel today? How does this compare to normal? Uh, let me ask now. How when you're getting in uh, ahead of the playoffs, Nakajima told the media at least that he wanted the team just to be loose the way you guys were uh, during the regular season. Uh, yeah. And how has that? played out so far honestly that's exactly what's happened he's done a really good job with the team i i mean he's it's just i've only had two japanese managers Mm -hmm. and there's uh just drastic differences between both of them um the team is the team is loose the team is feeling good um you know we're you know we're in a good place i think we're i think you know i think this is the deepest the team has ever been in terms of offensive lineup i think our pitching staff is together is, is, is holding up pretty well um i just think that i think that right now um you know we we're we're, we're in a good place i think we're in a really good place and i think a lot of that has to do with how he's handled how he's handled the team and how he's handled the younger guys and, and how and the older guys you know held them to a standard and mm. i think it's i think it's good i think it's really good yeah, after after uh, game one, they asked him. He says, "How's it going?" He said, "Well, not really well today. <laughs> you know, yeah. some of the guys were a little tight, but I I just love I just love how uh, how open he is just to to say things how they are. That's not very Japanese." <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I I mean I, I I commend it. I mean, it's like I said, it's a much different situation uh, with him leading the ship than it is the. Uh, the other the other manager it's just uh it's interesting and i think a lot of guys like you know they, they want to play they want to play for next you know they they want to be here you know they they want to you know give their best and and they know that he's going to fight for them just as much as they fight for him so okay well let me ask about how your um your game preparation differs going in against a team that you don't regularly face is yeah it? it's difficult i mean you can you can watch video but it's you know, we, we do a lot of scouting and so on. And, mm-hmm. you know, normally when we do our meetings, you know, I'm paying attention to how specific pitchers in our league face specific teams because right. that's how, you know, it, but like when you're facing a team from the complete opposite side of the league, you know, you don't know anybody, you don't, you don't know how other teams face these guys. You, you know, we've only, I think we played them for three games, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the season. It's just, it's a totally different situation. So, you just, you know, a lot of the times you're just relying on different thought processes than you've had to, you know, in previous, you know, you don't know these people. Um, you know, maybe after a couple of years of interleague play, you, you know, have a better idea. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, for me, I've uh, I've just been trying to figure out, uh, you know, what makes what makes their hitters successful and what makes them you know fail, and, and just trying to figure out where you know where each guy has their spots. Um, you know, they're a good team. They're a really good team. Uh, they got some good starting pitching. They have really deep offense. They got some good. They have, their middle of the lineup is incredible. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, I think this is a pretty evenly matched World Series or Japan Series. I think it's I think it's a really evenly matched. To be honest with you, oh, you can call it the World Series if you like. I mean, they do over there. We might as well do it over here. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> it is. It is indeed the same thing. It's it's the major leagues and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to say, uh, well, let me ask about, you know, game one, you gave up the home run to, to Murakami, which puts you in a lot of good company. Oh, and, that's his second one. He must, I think he's, I think, you know, he's, he knows something other people don't, because he sees my, he sees me pretty well, I guess. Because he hit a home run off me in uh, Interleague, too. Right. I'm going to I'm gonna have to figure it out, because he, uh, he's got my number. <laughs> So that was obviously not the not part of the plan, but how did yeah, you... he made a good he made a good swing and a good pitch, but I battled yeah. after that and got through it. You know, yeah, the team the, the team picks me up, and uh, you know, it's, that's all you can ask for in that situation. I mean, I, I made a good, I made I mean, if you look back at the pitch he hit out, I mean, that's a pretty it's a pretty good pitch. It's a low, it's a low changeup. Right. You know, I had two strikes on him. He made a really good swing on it, and it scraped over the wall. Yeah. And I think, you know, after that, it was just playing defensive mode, and I had to battle through and, and get through the inning just to keep the, the game where it was. And, you know, lucky for me, the team picked me up and, and, and came back, and the team had, you know, a hell of a ninth inning, and it was awesome. So It was. It was indeed. And the uh, Swallows bullpen is not, is not uh, is, there are no pushovers, but they had they had a bad night, and you guys really took advantage. Took advantage of it, yeah. Good so, teams capitalize on those kind of mistakes. Sure. The now the other one I just wanted before I finish I, I have to mention because you talked about Yo Yoshida and he I watched him after the interview I, I paid more attention oh there's the guy there's the guy and yeah. and as the season went on he just seemed to get cooler and cooler and cooler as the games got bigger and bigger. Oh yeah, he's good. I'm telling you, I told you that a long time ago. He's a, he's a good little guy. He's a good little pitcher. Yeah. He's he's not he's not he's not scared of pressure. Okay. Well, uh, all I all I can say is uh, I hope every everybody stays healthy and you guys uh, compete well. And thank cool. you. We, that's what we need at this point in the season. We just need our health. We need our health, and we'll be able to compete well. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking time out in your busy schedule to join us, and uh, we hopefully uh, hopefully you guys will have some more to celebrate in a few days. Yeah. Let's I hope so. I hope so. I hope uh, we can celebrate here in the next, uh, you know, well, hopefully let's make it three games so we can get out of here and, and get home to see some of our families. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great because I think the hard thing for me to imagine is being in this kind of situation and not having family. Yeah, I know. And nobody's, nobody's really got their family left over here, you know. So, yeah, we're hoping, we're hoping for a quick, quick finish to the series. Obviously, hopefully the Buffaloes come out on top and we will, uh, We'll get out of here and be the Japan Series champions. That's what mm-hmm. we're hoping for. Well, play well, no regrets. All right, thanks you. Thanks very much, buddy, and good luck. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, thanks, Tyler. I really appreciate your taking time on Tuesday morning for that. Uh, you got all these other things going on, but, uh, you know, you you thought about the fans, so we appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I thank you, too, and hope to actually be able to see you and meet you and greet you sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I, I uh, other than my jinxing Ryo Yoshida. <laughs> no such thing as jinx. <laughs> Anything you want to uh, comment about? Well, uh, first of all, stop the crazy talk. This is not a World Series, so no, I'm, I'm not buying that. But I love the mental process of, of pitchers. And when Tyler spoke about the Munetaka Murakami home run, he said scraped over the wall. And I guess that's an accurate assessment. But a long time ago, I had a hitter say to me, what do pitchers call ground ball singles? And I said, I don't know. What? And he said, he, he said outs that got away. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the mental attitude you know hey, it's a ground ball it got through yeah but that guy whacked the ball man i mean <laughs> but whatever whatever works and i'm not picking on tyler because i think this is the mental approach that pitchers take to get them through and i think hitters take other uh you know when they hit the ball really hard they say hey hey i smacked that thing it just you know a defensive player got in the way so um Whatever these guys have to tell each other to, to get through, I totally understand. And I, I I, think you and I, we talked about that swing from Murakami. But I, I think when you hit a home run to center, I, I don't think there are any accidental home runs to center like that on a kind of a line drive. Obviously, Tyler didn't have the best Japan series of, of any of the Buffalo's pitchers. But I'm glad he took the time to, to come on and talk to us. That, that was awesome. Uh, I know the fans... Uh, our listeners in particular really loved hearing him before and they probably loved this talk as well. And, and I, I, I guess you didn't have time to ask my question. I guess I must've missed I your did. deadline, but no, you didn't ask my question. Yeah. How do you prepare differently for the Japan series? Um, well, no, that really wasn't what I wish. Well, you know, I'm deeper than that, man. I, I hope you realize that after the years, my, my question was like, how do you prep for a series like this? Oh, for differently from what you're used to doing. And my question yeah, well, was about was about well, basically aimed at you're going against different teams most of the time over the course of a week. you got two teams and you prepare a certain way. But when you are preparing for a team that has the same players that you're going to you're going to face over and over, it's it, I was wondering if there's anything different. So that that, that was I my see. question. You but, should take a page out of my book, which is begin each question with a five-minute explanation. <laughs> I see that. I see that. But that's fine. Uh, uh, I, I just think, um, you know, you hear him talking about the whole atmosphere and the whole approach to games that the, the Buffaloes have taken to, to get to this spot. And uh, I was just impressed with the whole thing. And you you can hear how enamored he is with, with Nakajima as the, as the manager. And, you know, you, you just appreciate that because a lot of times I think we get foreign players and they come over and they say, well, I, I remember one player said, well, I haven't talked to the manager in a week or two weeks or something. He only tells me, you know, he only talks to me when there's a problem or there's an issue we have to deal with. But I, I get the idea that... Uh, that these guys get a lot of feedback from the manager, get a lot of input from the manager and have a relationship with the manager. And that just kind of came through in the interview. Mm. What about you? Well, I didn't get that as much as I didn't necessarily infer that, but, but what I inferred from it is that uh, <clears throat> sort of like a, a, a truck going by my uh, apartment, you know, there's, there's a visible you know the built. You know the building shakes a tiny bit, and there's noise. There's all these mm -hmm. other things going on. There's these other vibrations, and I think that the effect that Nakajima had with the buffaloes was very visible in, in so many ways that it would have been really hard to miss. And mm -hmm. that you could see the players 
you know, you could see how players responded. So even I, I'm not certain that Nakajima had like a this relationship with the individual players or especially individual for, import players. But I think with the the whole team, the attitude was very visibly. It was almost like I wasn't surprised by anything he said because that's what it looked like from watching the team play. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I meant when he made that that comment. Uh, I guess it was near the end when he talked about comparing the two managers which we right. really whenever anyone asks that question you never get an answer you know you just get that they're they're different and this guy has oh, this approach and, yeah but he said yeah, that's he true. said it's a that's much true. different he said it's a much different situation with him leading the ship than it was with the other manager right. well that and was so a, that's what i meant that meant to me yeah. that there, there's more commitment to having conversations and having okay. relationships with the guys that that's the I, way i'd interpret it i think it, i would but, take that from from five or six minutes of just have listening to Nishimura give his uh, sort of a pep talk and li- listen to Nakajima giving his pep talk. You know, mm-hmm. I think you get the fans get that also from the manager's interview at, after the Japan series games. You know, it's like when they asked him, when they asked Satoshi Nakajima after one of the Oryx wins, they say, well, what did you tell the team to get ready for the series or, or today's game? He says, oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was him. And, uh, I, I enjoyed that part. Um, uh, as far as, uh, the world series, I was just saying, don't feel bad about calling it the world series because the U S major leagues call their thing, the world series. So the Japan major leagues have just as much a right to call theirs, the world series. So yeah, no, stop it. it. No, you like, no, why not? it's not a World why Series because there's already a, a branding out there called the World Series. You can't, oh, who you can't, cares? you can't. Who cares? I do, and and I'm sure Major League Baseball too. Well, well, <laughs> it's well, not a go, World Series. It's a Japan. They can series. go take it and put it where they where it uh, belongs, and the sun doesn't shine. Nobody cares. All right. Well, I I think the listeners should chime in on this one, but um, I I I, I don't see it. It's, it's already out there. You you can't take someone else's name from their series, but. I, regardless of the levels and all that stuff, I'm not even interested in that. I, I think it's a branding thing. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, you you do your MLB branding, and uh, maybe maybe uh, they'll they'll send you a penny in the mail. I will not wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't wait for MLB to give you anything. Yeah, it would cost me more money to get the penny uh, exchange. Yeah, they'd be they're more likely to pick your pocket than they are to give you credit for anything. So right, okay. So anyway, yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was really uh, fun. I thought the idea, you know, we we had the the bit about Murakami. The thing about Murakami was interesting. Now he said it was in the in the inner league that Murakami hit the home run off, and it was in the preseason. It was all fastball. The one uh, he struck him out. However, when they they faced each other once in in interleague, and he struck him out on a really good changeup, uh-huh. and which was kind of the pitch. It looked like the pitch he was trying to throw against him in the series. I see. But it found the the corner of the strike zone. The one that he struck him out in the preseason in the interleague was was probably about three inches each, three inches below the zone and about a couple inches outside or one mm, or the other. Right. And this one was just nipped the, the lower corner and it wasn't, wasn't dropping quite as much and he was on it. So. Yep. So it was a really good pitch. It was, it was a good pitch. <laughs> it was a good pitch. It was a good pitch. 
All right. So uh, again, thank you very much to Tyler. We appreciate it. Hope to see you next season and congratulations on a very successful 2021 season. Very awesome season for the Buffaloes. All right. Making a seamless transition. Let's talk about the Japan series. So when we did our picks and uh, I said I was going to go with the Swallows, you specifically said you're going with the better league which is Mm -hmm. natural. I think we talked about matchups in that same episode. And I said, it's not always about what the numbers are overall. It's about what the guys do uh, specifically against specific instances. And I think in this matchup with all the games, essentially one run games, I think uh, game two, the uh, two, nothing complete game by Keiji Takahashi, I think uh, ended up being a two run game simply uh, because (laughs) The Swallows added that late run on an error, but uh, basically it was a one-run game. It was a scoreless game for most of it, right? So uh, these teams matched up very well, but I thought the Swallows had the better bullpen. I thought the bench was a little bit better, and that's really what happened when it came down to it. We have uh, Shingo Kawabata coming off the bench to hit in a big situation. And he comes through with a, a little a little flare, but hey, uh, and not flare as in the good flare, but a little <laughs> a little floater. But uh, we talked about this on the show in the past, right? I asked guys, hey, do you want to hit that little float ball for a game winning hit, or do you want to hit a line drive? And everyone says, well, yeah, I I, wa- I want to hit the line drive, but we'll take whatever we get. Well, you know, you win it how you win it. So it just seemed to me that the swallows were better in this series. It was a great series. I'm very happy. For guys like Norichika Aoki, uh, Tetsuto Yamada, Yuhei Nakamura, uh, even Yasuhiro Ryan Ogawa, guys who you know were long suffering with this team uh, that has had long suffering managers, coaches, fans, staff, people walking down the street who say, "I'm not going to the game." The guys are in last place. Um, and then I'm uh, very impressed with Shingo Takatsu, the second-year manager, who's just a very bright spirit, in in, in my opinion. I, I think he's the first non-Kamrajan manager of the Swallows to win the Japan Series since I've been in Japan. <laughs> he's No, he's got a little Kamrajan. He, he's, he's got a little bit of that. I mean, uh, when you watch him, it, when you compare him to Nakajima, you can see a little bit of that Kamrajan come out. You know, things like, um, you know, we... The hit, you know, it was a it was a poorly hit ball, but but it happened on willpower. You know, it happened. He's got a, and he's got the the little old school kind of we're gonna bunt and we're gonna play. He's got that. This is by the book. He's got a little bit of by the book in him. That well, I'm talking about the personality, the gruff, rough, grumbling. You know, curmudgeon. Oh, right, right. Now he's yeah, he, no, he's, he's not got a, he's, not not much. He's he, he's he's pretty he's pretty modern. Him and he and as I mentioned, much of the season, he and Akihiro Yano and Nakajima are all cut from that same sort of humanistic. I'm not you know I'm not here to to whip people mm-hmm. thing. Not really the the as as uh, as Adam Jones said you know the hard ass old school. Style, but he's got a little of the curmudgeon. He's got a little tiny bit. Nakajima doesn't doesn't have that, which I enjoy. Yeah, and I, you know, I I saw these tight games, and I I just, you know, people were talking about it on Twitter and here and there. And I, I just remember when I played basketball, and we were in a tournament one time, and we played a bunch of I don't know two point three point games that were really close, and everybody after every game. You know, we had friends and family there at the games and they would say, well, you guys got to stop playing these, you know, these, these heart attack games. And we're like, well, you know, we're not looking at the score. You know, we're just, 
I'm trying to, I'm basically trying to make the play that's in front of me, just go out and make the best, the best decision and the best play. And the score will take care of itself. And I'm really not thinking, you know, don't turn the ball over because we're in a close game. I'm just thinking, make the, and I think the Swallows just kind of plotted through the series thinking, okay, let's make the next pitch. Let's get the next out. Let's not worry about necessarily what's on the scoreboard and uh, these things will take care of themselves. And I mentioned that the defense was good uh, in the first two games. And I think it progressively got more noticeable that it wasn't good at times on both sides. But I think, uh, you know, I just saw the Swallows being in control of basically every game. And you look at this series, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Japan's ace, threw 15 innings. He had 19 strikeouts. He only allowed two runs. And the Swallows didn't lose to him. Uh, right. Yamamoto didn't win any of either of the two games. He wasn't the winner. Now, he pitched well enough uh, to mm. probably win, obviously, but he didn't win uh, either one of those games. Uh, and then they, they won this game. And then this is the game that you and I were talking about uh, on Saturday morning. And you said, well, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is starting. I, I don't I have high expectations or however you phrased it. And I said, yeah, well, you know, they, they got to score too. The other team has to score. And I didn't think that uh, we'll get into the game a little bit later. But I, I don't think you have to match a pitcher like of his status pitch for pitch. You just have to match them zero for zero. And no, I think they, they did a good job of doing that. And that takes the whole team, right? Everybody making the defensive plays. And then uh, they scratched out a run against them. Probably could have had two runs if if these managers didn't play their outfields in all the time. But anyway, I, I just got the sense from game one uh, and the Buffaloes rallied to, to win that game um, that, that the Swallows basically were in charge of this whole series. And it was just a really good matchup for them. And, do I get, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, do I get go ahead. to say anything? Yes, go. Uh, I completely disagree. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you do. Yeah, I, I think the Swallows basically were lucky to have the lead in the first game to blow. They were lucky to win game two, I thought. Uh, wait, 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 wait. So why were they lucky to have the oh, lead in game oh, two? Oh, because basically all the Buffalo's hard hits, so many of the Buffalo's hard hits just went straight into gloves. But isn't that part of it? If you pitch to certain zones uh, no, for certain batters, no, that that they can't no, they can't drive. No, yes, no, it, yes, no. it is. Yes, it is. If now you are pitching to specific, no, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First okay. of all, look, this stuff is very unreliable. That's 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 really old school. That's old school stuff. Like uh, if you make productive outs, you'll win the the World Series. That's kind of different, stuff. though. We're not talking about this. No. We're talking about hitting specific areas and playing your defense in specific areas. And that if you hit those spots and even if the batters make contact, they it's a pitch that they can't drive out of the park. If you have your defense in the right spots, that they will find gloves. All right. That's different. So, so that's different. That's Masataka, different from something that's Masataka totally is, random. Yeah. So like Masataka Yoshida's bullets to shortstop were both there because the Swallows batter was playing exactly where he was going to hit a bullet. Not, not necessarily. I'm just saying that they, they said, well, look, we're going to pitch him here and we're going to play him there. And if they if they can hit the ball somewhere else, they're going to get a hit. If they don't, then we're going to no. catch it. OK, that's that's just uh, I, I don't think it's pure luck. I don't think it's pure no. random. You know, they just happen to wake up one day and stand there and catch the ball. No, 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 no. It's close to luck. It's very close to luck. 
I mean, you had you have to actually. This research. is so awesome that this you're is, saying this because you're the numbers guy and you're the guy who I always am. comes up and says this is this is this is the way you play. And I'm the one saying no, this is not part of a plan, but this is this is the way we're going to pitch them, and, no, and this is the way I, we're going to play them. And if we get I the agree. out, we get the out. I agree with you. It was, okay. but it was, but I'm also telling you that you know you can you can where you play makes a difference, but when you hit a ball as hard as you can hit it. And it finds a glove where it wouldn't find a glove if the guy was standing a step one way or the other. That's so random. Oh, but true. Really- but again, oh, if you hit your spot and he can't lift the ball, then you have a better chance of catching it. And that's what they did, in my no, opinion. No, I, I don't think it was right. all luck. I think, for instance, the the ball that Shuhei Fukuda hit in the twelfth inning, I guess, or the the eleventh inning, or the ninth inning, I think it was in Game Six here that that could have won the game. The the outfit was drawn in, so they were yeah. able to make that pit play on a line drive, well, and then maybe that was luck. But no, I mean, yeah, well, still well, part I'm, of the plan. <laughs> but what I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about about. Uh, I, have, I know it's too early in the morning for you. I, I, no, I apologize. No, I didn't know this was going to come up, but okay. Well, let but, me let me put it this way: if you look at how well the balls were hit in the first two games, if you look at how well the balls, how the kind, the quality of the swings they got, I think there's no way. Uh, you know, the fact that the Swallows won those two, won one of those games, was very fortunate for them. I don't think they were in control at all. I thought they played well. I thought they I thought I thought they played well, but I think the Buffaloes hit the ball a lot better uh, in terms of the quality of the swings they were getting against the Swallows pitchers. Now that changed as the as the series went on. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I didn't see that I didn't see that in the first two games. I thought uh, that you know there were some balls that were very uh, fortunate, much more many more of the Buffaloes hit the uh, batted balls were fortunate to be caught than the swallows. I mean, both of these teams hit these flares and dingers and floaters and seeing eye ground balls, and you know that yeah. happens. Yeah. But uh, you know, and there was a, and when we get to game six, I'll mention it. But but that's the, but that was my impression. I didn't think they were completely in charge. I thought they were. I I thought they what what put the swallows in charge was when they got to Tokyo Dome. And the first two games were all about the pitchers. You know, they were mm-hmm. all about these these four great uh, starting pitching performances from uh, from y- Yoshinobu Yamamoto and uh, Yosh- uh, Yasunobu Okugawa and Keiji Takahashi and Hiroya Miyagi. And I mean, the fact that the bullpens lost one and didn't lose the other. Okay, then they get to Tokyo Dome, and now the they get a kind of different style of pitchers they don't have the high speed uh the high speed the swallows aren't throwing the the fast big fastball guys mm-hmm. and it completely changed it <laughs> yeah i mean you could say the same thing i mean you're talking about one side about how the swallows were fortunate to have the lead to to blow but you're not talking about their offense too because they, they scrambled up enough offense to be able to get a lead so i i mean those things yep. happen. I mean, it's just baseball, and you can have good swings, and you can have good well, uh, at bats, and come out with poor outcomes results wise. Yeah. But, that, but don't that's tell just me, the way it goes. But don't tell me that poor outcomes, that good outcomes from poor swings, are the plan. 
But again, if you hit spots and you have expectations of where you, you like, they, like they didn't have the better pitchers, okay, in in those two first those first two matchups. In fact, Okugawa was very fortunate. I thought you're right, maybe to to get through uh, as far as he got through the game. But again, <laughs> certain areas of the zone, there's just so much you could do with a pitch. If you know, depending on how you get to that that pitch. Uh, and what the batter's expectations for the pitch are and what they're sitting on and how they swing and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, we could talk about this forever. Let, let's just continue about uh, what we were doing, which uh, what we were talking about, which which was that I think when you counted up a lot of the, the hits and the home runs and some of the uh, statistics, I think that showed that the, the Swallows had a better offensive output in in this what did you find well i think i think i think what you see and i I don't disagree with that i thought i think what you saw was essentially the swallow what you saw with the swallows all season Mm -hmm. and that they were um a very efficient long-term this is kind of the swallows paradox they didn't (laughs) well they didn't walk people you know they play a long game they don't walk guys they draw walks on offense. They don't strike out too much on offense. Um, the pitchers strike out a lot of guys. They play these. They play this very high percentage baseball. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, this is going to be our. This is an approach that's going to give us good results, as opposed to this is an approach that's going to get this guy out. This is our team approach that's going to win us a lot of games. Gotcha. The, not not this game, but two out of three. Okay. And that's so that the paradox is that then they have a manager who's obsessed with one run strategies and one run <laughs> tactics, which are the absolute opposite. Let's forget what happens in the long run. Let's forget what the odds say and just do what I think is right because I have to move or my my pants won't stop itching. Hashtag high heat. <laughs> so I suppose you're talking about some of the bunting, but mostly the drawing in of the infield and the outfield at every single opportunity. <laughs> and the and the does the love of the intentional uh intentional walk to load the bases and another one didn't kill him this time, but yeah. Yeah, well, I think it wasn't it. Well, I don't remember specifically to load the bases, but I remember no, when the intention they walked once. And yeah, Yoshida to get around him, and I'm like, I'm all for that. You know, walk, put that guy on. Don't let that guy beat you. Let somebody else beat you. So I believe they put the winning run on, uh, on, on base to to pitch around Yoshida one time. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, uh, again, they they wrapped it up at. Uh, Hotomoto Field, the place where Shingo Takatsu was the closer who saved their last Japan Series title 20 years ago. So that things have come full circle for the Swallows. So let's get into the games. Game three was on Tuesday. The Swallows came back to win that one 5-4. So what was the big thing that stood out for you in this game? Uh, Tuesday, this was uh, Yasuhiro Ogawa and Daiki Tajima. Daiki Tajima pitched pretty well. This was the one, I think uh, we had a pair of two-run homers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Domingo mm-hmm. Santana and uh, Yutaro Sugimoto. Ichi had two ho- two run homers. Uh, the big thing I think was Taichi Shiyama coming out of the bullpen and sort of getting things settled and allowing the Swallows to to hold on to that game. Yeah, the guy, I thought I, I I just couldn't trust, and I think I, they actually threw him all three games at Tokyo Dome. And that third day, I think, is that magic number for guys who are you know, a little bit older. And uh, that, that's when he didn't have, he wasn't as effective. 
But uh, up until then, those first two days, he was really, really good. And uh, I thought a key to the game was was uh, Nakajima asking his bullpen to try to get 14 outs. And uh, yes, you were right. Tajima was he he, he was okay. I, I think he was not getting knocked around, but taking him out on 91 pitches, I thought in the fifth inning was somewhat risky. And I think it officially kind of blew up because I thought going into the series was the the bullpen for the Buffaloes was probably their weakest area. And uh, I didn't think that it was wise to try to get 14 outs from those relievers. And uh, it just, you know, it just didn't work out for them. But again, really good close game that that Santana go ahead blast in the eighth after Tetsuto Yamada had (laughs) sent a drive to the wall two batters earlier. And I Mm. think right after that, it, it just seemed like a matter of time before uh, Yoshida gave up something. So um, just too many outs, I thought. Yeah, there was a lot of these. Uh, yeah, I, I think they may have to, the Swallows may have to pay the Giants a little extra to groom the warning track at Tokyo Dome because there was a lot of balls out there on the warning track during those. Yeah, games. well, yes. As we go through the, these these games at Tokyo Dome, I thought there were a couple balls that like, what, what? Isn't this the place where all the balls just fly out for no reason? You know, the pop flies go out and we had balls dying on the wall, uh, at the wall and on the track. We did have yeah. one. We had um, Munetaka Murakami hit a broken bat ball to, the, to straightaway right that uh, that died on the warning track so yeah yeah that was that was in this game or was it i thought that was uh, no later. i don't i think that was in game five yeah i think it was later in the series all right so then on wednesday game four uh the swallows win that one as well two to one uh scott mcguff seals it in the ninth inning and two big things in this game for me the run the buffalo scored in the sixth inning was kind of an example of putting great pressure on a defense um Shuhei Fukuda's speed as the runner and his attentiveness, I guess, to keep his eye on third base coach Naoyuki Kameoka. Those were uh, keys because you had Domingo out in right field and uh, I'm going to call it a drobble. It was it was a drop bobble, so a drobble. And uh, the ball didn't really get away from him that far, but because Fukuda kept his eye on the third base coach who was watching the play, and started to wind that arm around, he, he he just never stopped. And because of his speed, and like I said, attentiveness to details, you don't run with your head down, you don't just go sliding into third base because you think, oh, there's a single, I'll be able to get to third base, and then let's see what happens with the next batter. He he had his eyes where they should have been, which was on the third base coach who was waving him home. So I thought that was really good uh, on their part. Yeah, that was a, that was a good play. Uh, that was a good play. And for another reason was it was just perfectly timed because he was going with the pitch and he was going to be on third base. He was, uh, except what you didn't see, what the, the good thing was half what, you know, as he was rounding second, and this is what you're talking about. Typically there's no reason for him to be going full speed into third base because mm-hmm. he's, there's no way they're going to throw him out. And, but all of a sudden the, you could see the green light came on when he was about where the shortstop plays. Uh-huh. And that was the thing he picked up speed and there was no chance. As soon as he picked up speed going to third base, there was no way they were going to get him at home with the uh, Domingo Santana out there looking for the handle on the ball. <laughs> the trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And then, uh, so they, that's the sixth inning. And in the bottom of the sixth inning, you had Osuna against uh, reliever Motoki Higa. And Higa 
threw one good pitch in the entire sequence. I thought he, the, the, he basically he he threw him a gopher ball in the first pitch and uh, Os- Osuna missed it. And <laughs> Sports Navi called it. I think well maybe it's the second pitch. Sports Navi called it a curve. I, I, I'd call it a gopher ball because it was right there for the pickings. But anyway, again, I, uh, Osuna made the adjustment and and he hits a uh, single and gets the run in and uh, the Swallows take the lead and then Scott McGuff closes it out. And again, <laughs> I'm not playing around though. I, I think Nakajima uh, bringing out a reliever like Higa, I don't know. Uh, I, I would have used one of my top arms. I would have gone to, and again, obviously we, our guest this week, Tiger Tyler didn't have his best series, but you know, if those are the guys who got you there and something's wrong with them or what is it they say in Japan, they're not in their best condition and not in their best form, then uh, I guess you have to go to alternatives. And maybe that was what happened here. Yeah, I thought uh, definitely Tatsunori Hara had left a bunch of messages for Nakajima in the visiting <laughs> dugout. Like, How do we get Hara in here? <laughs> no. Well, I'm just saying that. Well, we're playing season- at the stadium, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. Well, I'm saying that it was almost like he said, Nakajima's going, hey, I saw a lot of games on TV played here, and for some reason, you got to bring in your reliever here like in the third inning. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how you play Tokyo Dome baseball, because that seemed to be his plan. You know, let's get the starters out of the game. Let's get the starters (laughs) out of the game as fast as possible and, and, and go from there, because that's how the Giants do it. It's Tokyo Dome baseball. All right. Well, uh, you know, again, I, I would be thinking if you lose this game, you're down 3-1. Do you really want to put that kind of situation in the hands of Higa? And quite frankly, I would have just yanked him. I, I probably would have yanked him partly through that Domingo Santana at bat because I didn't like the pitches that he was throwing. Like I said, he threw one quality pitch in that whole sequence. And so everything was off the plate. And, and the one that wasn't was a gopher ball that Santana missed. So you you got to play like this is you know your life depends on it and i i didn't i didn't get that sense there in that game so we well i had- got the feeling pretty much for the entire series the buffaloes were never playing like i don't think either of these teams were really playing like their lives depended on it i, don't, I mean that's the that's <laughs> well i mean the you know of, your your season kind of yeah okay yeah yeah all right so uh game five on thursday and I, I woke up that morning. I think the night before at work, someone asked me, they said, who do you think is going to win uh, on game five? And I said, well, you know, I'd have mixed emotions. I'd, I'd say if the Swallows win, it's it's good because I, I was I picked the Central League to win. I picked the Swallows to win. And it'd be nice to see the Central League win a championship. But it also means the baseball season is over. So I, I, I'm not sure that I'm ready for it to end. So surprisingly, we got some really strong pitching performances from the back of the rotations on both sides. And then we had this dramatic Tetsuto Yamada three-run home run in the eighth. Now, this is uh, Higgins again. And on the broadcast, I guess a long time ago, uh, I think it was Mark Kroon told me, look, you, as a reliever, you come in, especially if you're a setup guy, but you know it's not the ninth inning, and you walk the first batter um, and you get yanked, don't be surprised. And I, I just thought... N- you know, Higgins walked the first batter he faced. First and this is in, in, in the eighth inning. Well, for me, it was the first batter. I, I just would have taken him out at that okay. point. And he walked another batter. I, I certainly would have taken him out. He would not have been facing Yamada. And Yamada hits this big 
emotional three-run home run. And then, I don't know if you were watching the broadcast, but there were Swallows fans in the stadium crying. I'm like, don't, <laughs> you know, hit the hit reverse on those tears. The game is only tied. You guys are not winning the game at the moment. So hold those tears, you know. <laughs> it's just a tie score. But uh, before or we as my mother a, used to say, you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Not just your mom, man. <laughs> Not just your mother, but uh, and then yeah, they gave him something to cry about because Adam Jones hit a blast in the top of the ninth inning, and that ends up being the game winner. So, uh, Mark Croon, you know, you told me a long time ago, don't don't walk guys, especially setup guys. You can't walk the first batter you face, and I, I, I just would have managed it a little bit differently, even if you had to go batter by batter uh, in the eighth inning. There, what was your impression? Well, I thought this was a, this, I think, no, I think you're right. And I'm very curious about, well, I, about how Takatsu managed his bullpen, because of course they were losing in this game and they, uh, this is the game that uh, Taichi Shama did not have anything. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had, he had his off day. He had, you know, uh, like, like all, all the Swallows main relievers had off days in this series. They had, it was, uh, Nomura Shimizu kind of had three off days and we didn't note it and it didn't cost anybody anything, but, uh, three off days. well, he did. I mean, yesterday <laughs> no, I, he wasn't yeah. his normal. Yeah. No, uh, he, all these, a lot of these guys were not you know, the guys we expected during, you know, we saw during the season and I think but that. I, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm go just ahead. saying that none of them. I mean, I I thought uh, not not the the bullpen guys. I thought very few of the the pitchers were as sharp as they were in much of the season, and uh, particularly Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I didn't think he was as he obviously wasn't quite as good, but uh, the Swallows bullpen had these. They had these on and off days, and. The other thing I would I would comment is I didn't think uh, I didn't, I never thought Oryx's offense was was top shelf. Oh yeah, I mean the difference between this year and previous years was that it was competent. They haven't really had a they haven't had a decent offense in. I try to remember I can't remember the last time they had a good offense. They've had good pitching, but that they were good enough to get in the Japan series was one thing, but then here they are facing, you know, the best pitching team in the central league. And it was, it was quite a challenge for them. Yeah. I, I think they're kind of a one through six kind of offense. If they don't score with those guys, then there's not much expectation for them to score with the bottom three guys. But uh, getting back to the pitching part, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's normal, well, at least in my opinion, that the pitchers were not, especially the relievers we're not going to have their same type of sure. results or production because they're facing, especially with the Swallows guys, they're facing better lineups in, in a sense and yes, better hitters. They are. But, they are. but, and, and you're on this big stage and sure. it's just different and conditions. Pi- and, and you also haven't been pitching regularly. You had these long breaks and as Tyler and, pointed and, out, and right. Tyler talked about, and I think that affected, that affected a lot of these guys. And also, um, it seems like it, the the guys it affected were the guys who really had big workloads this year, like Yamamoto and, mm. and Shimizu, mm. uh, who and Scott McGuff, who had really long uh, long seasons. Guys who the guy who came out looking exactly like he did in mid season form was Masanori Ishikawa. <laughs> he looked like he was back in June again. 
Yeah, well, well, part of that was the rest probably helped him as sure. old as he is, number one. And then um, number and he two. Was only going, and he was only pitching five and six innings a game the whole season. So, season. I mean, <laughs> so it was sort of like, oh, the rest is good and, and uh, he's in good shape and he's, you know, he was ready. But it was hard for a lot of these guys. Uh, the Another guy who was really good in the series, who was extremely good and better than we sort of had any expectation was Hiroyo Miyagi. He didn't show anything like this in the second half. And and he needed the rest, apparently, because he was he was really sharp. Yeah, so true, true. All right, and then going to Game Six on Saturday, uh, the Swallows uh, win that one two to one. They get a run in the twelfth inning, but I thought this was the battle of the drawn-in outfields. The Swallows actually gave up a run when they had the infield in and the outfield in, and a little squirty hukuda ball goes. <laughs> Uh, basically, I think it bounced near the the furthermost part of the out uh, the infield dirt, Skin, but yeah. not quite to the grass. And Norichika Aoki fields it. I don't know a couple steps behind the uh, the infield dirt, and he still couldn't make a competent throw to the plate to get the runner. So Kenya Wakatsuki, who reached base because of a bad hop. I'm going to call yeah. it a single. I think it was called an out originally, and then it was reviewed, and you could see Ozuna just really didn't. He he let the ball touch the infield dirt. Now, whether he had it or not, it just looked bad on on camera. Yeah, that was too, <laughs> that was like uh, that was like two accidental hits, and yeah. and the the and uh, what Kenya Wakatsuki, a was a catcher, is not very fast. Now he fast. Beat, he gets an he gets an infield single because the ball he t- this this little ball he hit took a squirrely mm-hmm. hop that 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 Tetsuto Yamada had to leave his feet and end up on his butt to field and then his yeah. throw was was low and Osina barely grabbed the thing and it leaked out of his glove a little bit so they let it, they put him on first base because of that little you know that weird chain of events. Yes, and that that that's the and only they, run they score, <laughs> and they get a one. Then they sacrifice with one out, and okay, and then and then they get the 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 RBI single, which is you know this probably which is a fly out if the if the infields at normal depth, it's a sh- fly out to the shortstop. Yeah, it's, it's a little yeah half liner pop thing. And, yeah, and <laughs> oddly enough, although the inf- the outfield was playing in as as they are wont to with. Shingo Takatsu and a runner on second and two outs. He wasn't playing that far in. He did get, I'll, I'll give credit to Aoki, he wasn't playing in as deep, I think, as Takatsu probably wanted him to. Mm-hmm. But he got, <laughs> can't a really, imagine <laughs> he got a really good jump on that that ball to field it. It seemed like, in, in term, as a Swallows fan, I, say, I, I, I am a Swallows fan kind of in my heart, uh, it took an <laughs> interminably long time to get to the ball. <laughs> and the and the throw was the throw was going to beat him home, but it was it it was uh, it clipped it clipped Wakatsuki as he he trundled down third base. <laughs> it was not a competent throw. That's the nicest thing I could say about it. From that distance, from and from that in that situation, uh, he was going to be out by ten feet, and he should have been out at least by five, and you didn't get him out at all. But no, again. Yeah, yeah. That's not, again, that's not the word. <laughs> I have to, I have to bring John back memory lane. I don't know if you remember the 2008 Japan series and Alex Ramirez in left field. Sorry, Alex, but uh, 
Swallows third base. I wasn't uh, uh, the runner on third was trying to score. Uh, the Cebu Lions runner was trying to score, and I can't remember who it was, but he scored going down the line, and the ball hit and dropped in front of him, and he beat the ball home. The runner was moving faster than the ball was. <laughs> <laughs> the ball be the the ball bounced like like six feet from the plate, and the runner was nine feet from the plate, and the runner got there first. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there were a lot of close plays. A lot of uh, a lot of things could have gone the other way or gone one way or another. And again, we talked about uh, Fukuda's ball that he hit on the line in the ninth inning uh, that could have basically won the game for the for the buffaloes and that didn't happen because the swallows pulled the outfield in <laughs> but uh again yamamoto pitched past some some uh, some errors some poorly defensively played balls that were not turned into outs he was really impressive he threw 141 pitches that was a career high got through nine innings and, and you know this is after shaking hands i think it was in the eighth inning they showed on the broadcast i was yeah. watching and it looked like he was going to be done after eight and then I guess he had a change of heart and said, you know what, I can go out and finish this thing off. And and he does that. So, uh, again, really close game. But I think, you know, Scott McGuff gets the, the game ball because he gets the last seven outs. And really, I don't know, maybe he just pitches better outside. He just looked better outside <laughs> to me. Uh, or the, the Tokyo Dome uh, mound was friendly to him. I don't know, but he looked really good yesterday. Looked like he had better control of all of his pitches that he and, and better just he was placing them and uh, yeah the the swallows bullpen you know that was sort of like they uh, I, I you know I got the feeling that the swallows were going you know it was it was eight degrees centigrade in Kobe <laughs> and I right? got the feeling that swallows were going yeah 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 we play outside all the time dudes. <laughs> they actually don't play outside all the time, but they play more outside outdoor they play, games. But they're used to playing a little colder games in the in the spring at home. Sure. And but the Swallows bullpen I thought was really good. Shimizu came, overcame. I did not see when when Noboru Shimizu came in in the eighth inning. I thought, oh, the Swallows are cooked. Because oh really? Could, no, I'll tell you why. It was because his he could not throw his splitter anywhere he wanted to every time he tried to throw a splitter oh it'd be over the batter's head or it would be in the dirt and he just it was like really touch and go and all of a sudden he's got two guys on and one out and then oh okay oh there's a good one oh there's a good one (laughs) but i thought it was his i I thought it was the two seam pitch or the one that they maybe maybe he was intentionally throwing that shoot or shoot pitch and i i just thought the, the the pitch he got the strikeout looking right uh and uh you see nakamura setting up off the plate and he had so little control of that pitch whether it was a shoot or if it was a two-seamer that it started out where it was supposed to be you know off the plate and it just worked its way all the way back across to end up right down the pipe and <laughs> i forgot who was batting but Okay. It was Oshta. Oshta was lo- went down looking. Oh, that's who it is. Yeah, Oshta. And that was for so the where second was out. So they. So he issued. He. This was the ninth inning. He. He gave up a leadoff walk to to Moya, and then they bunted him over. And then 
uh, Seichiro Oshita came in, Mr. Bobblehead came in, and he struck out looking. And then they put Adam Jones on first. Yeah, he ended up stranding four runners in two innings. So that was sort of like his, that was the synopsis of his uh, series. I think he stranded two in in game one as well. <laughs> Every time he came out, pretty much okay. there were two guys left on base. All right, going so yes. Like, so- <laughs> Is like the, the the I don't remember the the guy's name, but the guy who gave up the the Giants pitcher in the nineteen fifty four World Series who gave up the drive that Willie Mays caught in center at the Polo Grounds said when he came off the mound, "I got my guy." Yeah, I got my guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, so that the, he got Osta for the second out, and then who could I hit that line drive that we I really thought was <laughs> it was a game winner, but uh, it turns out. Yeah, well, um, that was a that was the thing. I mean, it does. I'm not, you know, we had this whole argument before, and and I did it on my website. But I mean, yeah, it does work. There are there are play balls when play playing in helps. Well, sometimes balls don't (laughs) fall. You know, will evade you at normal depth. It's not a it's not a a long term strategy, but sometimes it works out. So right, all right. So uh, then they wrapped it up. Now I, I. think uh i think we never got to the numbers because we were talking about something else <laughs> but uh it, overall i think the swallows uh had more hits they definitely had more home runs they had more walks mm-hmm. they pitched better they obviously outscored the buffaloes i i just felt like they were for me i and i you used the term complete control i didn't uh, i wouldn't say they had complete control of the series in every game no. but I, I just felt like they were in control they had they were where they wanted to be. They were used to playing, I think, games like this. And uh, one other thing I want to say before we close up and go to the fielding questions is that uh, the Central League had lost 13 consecutive Japan Series games. The Swallows broke that string. Not only that, they won three straight in doing so. And I, I just didn't. I just never felt like it was an accident. I, I again, wh- wh- however you want to say whether it was luck, whether they just had good planning, whether they were fortunate to be in the right place uh, by happenstance, whatever it was, I, I just felt like they had this series and I, I just never felt like they were going to lose any of the games. Um, they ended up losing game one because they lost the lead late and then they couldn't, you know, they couldn't make a pitch to AJ <laughs> and he hit a home run. But other than that, I, I think they led for more innings. They just seemed to be in control for me. I think they, I think the long-term approach worked for them. I think the, the, the the re- the best thing about it for the swallows was what was best for them all season. Now I'm I mean if you recall last couple of years, you know after the the Hawks swept the Giants twice, there was a lot of talk about you know what what's finally there was talk about pe- people saying what's wrong with the Central League. For years they you know there was this elephant in the room and they were going, hey how come it smells funny. <laughs> You know what's what's going on here, and like, let's not Yikes. talk about you know, let's not talk about that the the Pacific League's beating your brains in every single year, right. and uh, after but two Japan series sweeps in a row, and the people are going, what happened? And one of the explanations was that the cent- the Pacific League has better uh, throws better fastballs, but I think what we saw. And I, as I mentioned before, and I've written about, is the the Swallows are essentially Pacific League style pitching staff. They they try to get ahead in the count. They throw everything in the zone. They attack the zone pretty mercilessly. 
They avoid walking guys if they can. And that's something that, you know, the Buffalo's hitters are used to, but they're also not used to seeing, as you said, uh, in re- in respect to the Buffalo's hitters, the Buffalo's hitters aren't used to seeing that much quality pitching all the time. And the Swallows pitchers are really good. And I, I think that people tend to think Swallows big hitting, weak pitching. I wonder why that is. I wonder <laughs> why people would think that. Yeah. Uh, and if and if you say it's because they have big hitting and and bad pitching over the years, then uh, go get remedial analytics or whatever you can find because you need to do some homework. Okay. Um, so I also, they, yeah. So I thought the pitching, the swallows pitching, was was really the was the key to this series. Okay. And I think it says a lot about the Central League. I think a couple of years ago, I said, "Hey, look, it's no." Uh, finishing in last, maybe it was this year in the predict- prediction show. I said maybe this year or last, but it, it's no shame finishing in last place in the Central League. All the teams are really close, so I think this sets up for a really interesting 2022 mm. in the Central League. Uh, how good are the Swallows? How good can they remain? And then what, how, what's the difference between them and the rest of the league? Because obviously everybody's close, uh, the top three at least. Uh, the, the, the bottom three, unless they get better, uh, might be the bottom three again next year. But again, if a team can come from last place and, and win the Central League and then go on to win the Japan Series, that, I think that says a lot about the league mm-hmm. itself as well. So, Well, I, I was asked the other day on the, on the, on the, ba- the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, you know, what makes these, you know, how come these teams went from worst to first? And I, I think the Swallows are always, the Swallows are, I'll give the same answer, the Swallows are a fairly well-managed team that lack serious, they have serious uh, depth issues. They just can't keep a stockpile of players. They can't go out and get replaced guys. They don't have uh, 20 developmental players that, you know, they can sign if one of them turns out to be really good. Okay. So they have, they have trouble keeping up with the, you know, if a couple of injuries and a couple of off seasons and they're pretty much cooked. So every now and then somebody said it, I think it was Trevor, the Hanshin Tigers. He says every five or six years, they do something amazing. And that's probably a pretty accurate uh, depiction of the Yakult Swallows. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations to the Swallows, the fans, and the entire organization, and especially Jim Allen. Let's go to fielding questions. All right. We got an email from Chris. He's in the U.S. and he says, thank you, thank you, thank you. First year trying to follow NPB without your podcast. I don't know if I would have followed through the whole season, much less been this excited about NPB. It is so refreshing and fun to listen to you two guys who enjoy and have a deep understanding of baseball, discuss so many aspects of the game. I love that you interview scouts regularly. Uh, You talk to you discuss managers and you're able to discuss so many aspects of the game. So thank you. I started following MPB because I was tired and bored of how home run centered MLB has become. Japanese baseball isn't so singular, and I think that it makes a more enjoyable version of the game. Listening to y'all sometimes knock the old school guys for being too big on small ball and have and have talked about the younger fans being more home run hungry. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what direction the style of play and player development in youth is headed in Japan. And if you see Japanese baseball pointed in a new direction, are y'all excited about it? 
P.S. I really enjoyed the guest, Jason, a few weeks ago. Get that dude back in there. <laughs> All right, Chris, thank you very much for your letter and questions. Uh, and thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, Jim. Mm, really good question. I think Japanese baseball is changing for one reason, because of the people who manage youth baseball are changing because they're going, nobody wants, no parents now want to go through all the rigmarole that's required. Japanese youth baseball requires uh, an Olympic amount of rigmarole. The mothers <laughs> have to prepare box lunches and take their kids here and take their kids there. And, and you thought it was bad when you were a kid and mom's got your mom's got to drive you to Chuck E. Cheese once a month or something after game. <laughs> Man, Japanese, the, the Little League moms are out there in force and they've got their duties to perform. You know, they, they make, they, they're like doing all the, they're like, every team's got like 12 traveling secretaries and it's required. <laughs> so, so anyway, so they've got all this extra work to do. And then the kids are, old school kids are bored out of their skulls. You know, their friends mm. are going like, I'm skateboarding, I'm playing hoops. And uh, Rui Hachimura, the uh, power forward for the Washington Wizards, uh, he was absolutely loved baseball, but he got tired of all the rigmarole. Yeah. And he took up basketball. Just think, this could have been another Shohei Otani growing up and playing Japanese baseball, but they bored him out of his skull. So there's a <laughs> response by youth baseball to make the game less injury uh, less abuse of youngsters' arms. So many of the best uh, young arms in Japan are still getting washed out in elementary school. Mm -hmm. And just think about that. A lot of the best pitchers in Japan come out of as college infielders because they mm -hmm. haven't been abused. So, right. so that's yeah. one thing that is changing. Youth baseball is changing a little bit. And the other big change is that kids are now listening, watching and listening to what they learn, what they can find out on the internet. You know, how do the best athletes train? Oh, weight mm. training. And they don't have to have the coach's permission to train. They can do it on their own. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can do things their own way. And that's the style. And I think that's changing. And so that's the, that's the feeder. And the, the, the benefit of that is you get more guys like Seiya Suzuki who are self-learners, who are self-starters, who mm -hmm. aren't waiting for the teams to tell them how to run or how to train or how to sleep. And so the game's getting a little better, a little, uh, the players are getting smarter and better, at least about their, in a, in a game that really wants the players not to be smart. Or I should say, doesn't tra doesn't train them to be smart. I should say, right, right. Uh, I would have expected a little bit more change. I'm I'm glad you brought up the youth part uh, because I had forgotten about that, Jim. So thank you. Uh, I would have expected NPB to have changed a little bit more by now. We had Alex Ramirez, uh, Venezuelan former player who managed the Yokohama Bay Stars recently, and instead of embracing the new approach he brought to the team, it was mostly frowned upon, even though. The team was having success, and the success success was undeniable. He got him to the Japan Series and almost beat the SoftBank Hawks after finishing in third place a, a few years back. So 
but the team kind of fell back to its old losing ways this past season after they got rid of him. And as Jim talked about on the show this year, they still blamed Alex for that because he was trying new things. So I don't think uh, embracing new things and embracing change is what we're going to see quickly and soon uh, have that infiltrate NPB. So it's going to be slow. But we have seen uh, up in Hokkaido, we've seen the, the, the opener become more common. We've seen some extreme shifts go on uh, at places uh, here and there at, at specific teams for specific batters. I think that might become more common. Uh, I, I think MPB always tries to fall, not always, but often follows tendencies that occur in MLB. And so whatever's trending over there might, might come this way. I don't think, however, that home runs and uh, MPB becoming a home run centric league is is in the future because the players aren't going to really start to crop up and blow up and get muscle bound and start to hit home run or just aim for home runs. And I think as long as any manager who played in a small ball era is out there guiding a team, so we've got a new manager in in Junichi for for instance in uh, Kazuyoshi Tatsunami. I don't think he's going to abandon the small ball for a while. So maybe for instance if he manages for 20 years, let's say. Uh, so 20 years, we won't see just uh, home run centric baseball in, in the Goya, maybe. But what it has in store, I, I don't know. But I, I, I think being less predictable, especially in the in the Central League and especially in the, in the Pacific League as well, where you have the DH and you don't have to worry about when to take out a, a pitcher and who has to bat and who has to run and uh, all these things. When you have all this strategy involved, I think uh, the managers can take advantage of that i don't know that you know becoming home run centric and and following the mpb uh, the mlb model is the way that mpb is going to go on in that respect so i'm excited for what what changes we see i i actually hope that uh not only the the emergence or the incredible season that shohei otani the american league mvp this year i love saying that uh, showed the entire baseball world that we can have more two-way players. And I would expect Japan to do that first, since not just uh. because because Otani is a is a Japanese player, but because there are a lot of kids who come out of high school who are the best pitchers and the best hitters on their teams. Uh. And I'm sure that someone's going to come up and say, you know what, I want to do that too, and that there's going to be another team that lets them. So I'm, I'm hoping that we see more of that, I, and that would I be what I'd be opposite. most excited about. I think mm-hmm. it's the opposite. I think MLB, I mean, there are there are probably a half a dozen guys in uh, either the you know fringe major leaguers who are two-way players in the states and in Japan there are zero. I think Japan is much is still much more even Shohei Otani has had a bigger impact on the evolution of two-way players in America than he has in Japan. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think I think whatever he, I, I think it's it it's basically has been shown to the world. So I think that right. not just uh, if it happens in leagues, Japan, but, if it happens in Japan, it will be be because it starts happening more in America, <laughs> not because of Shohei Otani, not directly because of Shohei Otani. I mean, we had this this guy Junior uh, Junior Nishi with the Tigers, who was uh, who this guy can really hit. He's got some serious power. And he showed up at the Tigers and he said, oh, we want you to work on your command. There won't be time for you to work on your hitting. So just forget that nonsense. <laughs> and, and I don't I don't mind teams. I don't mind if a player says, I don't want to pitch. I don't want to do both. 
because I can't see how I could be successful doing both. I mean, Shohei Otani's dad said the same thing after the first interview with the fighters. I don't Mm -hmm. think you can do both. But if the coaches say, we're not going to give you a chance because it's absurd, then they're talking out their rear ends because (laughs) they do not know that it can't work. They're assuming it can't work. And this is the whole thing about Shohei Otani. Everybody assumed it can't. So let's not let's make sure it doesn't. Interesting. It's uh, it's amazing how you and I see similar uh, aspects of, of things, but with a different angle. And well, I Japan, appreciate. Yeah, Japan's definitely they're still really well, they cling to the, the thing. And there's no advantage. There's very little Japan advantage to being an innovator in Japan. <laughs> True. You can you can be you can be the innovator. uh you can be an innovator. Nobody really cares. And you can be a loser. But if you follow, if you're, if you're an old school guy, they'll say he's the, you know, he's trying hard to win. <laughs> he's doing the, He's playing the right way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, lose, lose all day long. But if you're buttoned enough, they'll say, well, he, they're trying hard to win. He's got them trying to plan hard. Yep. Yep. So yeah, as I was saying, we can see the same uh, result and just interpret it differently. And, and that's what I think, uh, makes the show really fun for listeners. I hope it does. And I really like talking to you. I said it uh, in a mm-hmm. message this week that I just appreciate the fact that we can talk every week about baseball. I love you. Oh, yeah. We've had a great season and uh, we probably will be back next week. I'm not sure yet, but uh, you got anything going on for Monday? I do not. I've got I've got to start thinking about what do I write now that the season's over, but I want to thank all my uh, jballallen.com uh, uh, readers who follow us here on the podcast. And, uh, and if you don't uh, read jballallen.com, I encourage you to do so. Okay. All right, uh, Chris, thank you very much for the awesome question. We are on Twitter at JBW podcast and hit us up there with the hashtag high heat send questions via email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com or go to the Facebook page and leave us a note, a message, a memo, criticism, uh, anything you want. We will talk to you probably next week. Enjoy your off season and congratulations to y'all Colt Swallows. Yeah, see you at Jingu Stadium. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at Allen, And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag high heat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.